Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. We are really happy to have you this morning. Today, I just want to share with you briefly. Um, we've been talking about stock taking, and we said that usually as the year comes to an end, you would want to sit down, you'd want to take stock of your life, you want to, you know, where was I, where am I, where am I going? And um, we just want to get a few nuggets on that. All that is going to be spoken about today, we've all heard before, but I hope that it comes again as a reminder to um, help us along the way. You know, when we were growing up, those of us who grew up in Ghana, we used to watch GTV, right? That was the only channel. Um, <laughs> and they used to have a program called, um, I think they used to call it Watch These Things, I think. I think it was an environmental program, you know, they'll tell you things about don't throw rubbish in the, you know, in the gutters and don't litter your environment. And I remember, watch, watch these things anyway. So this morning, we want to talk about some things that we want to check. So we'll say, watch these things or check these things. As we take stock of our lives, um, we want to do it God's way. Amen. Before we go on, can we pray? Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for another opportunity to hear your word. I pray that, Lord, you use me as a vessel and that your word will come to encourage your people and help us in our journey. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So I tried to look up what taking stock means. I mean, it's obvious, right? We should all know what it means to take stock. But... um. I looked it up again, and it said that to think carefully about a situation or event and form an opinion about it so that you can decide what to do. Okay, so you take stock of what has happened, and then you decide how to move ahead. And that was taking stock. And some of the words that came up was to observe, to record, to evaluate, and then to decide. Right? So we are looking at all that has happened, taking stock, and then we are going to decide... Um, how to move on from there. So the first thing that I'd like to bring up, the first point, one of the things that I want you to check or to watch while you're taking stock is to check your goals. Check your goals. To take proper stock, you should have decided what you are measuring, isn't it, from the onset. So you would realize that um, in the corporate world, usually at the beginning of the year, maybe you sit with your boss and you'll decide that, you know, for the year or for the quarter or whatever, these are, if you're a salesman, maybe these are the figures that we are expecting you to bring in. You agree on it, you sign on it, and then at the end of the period, you know, you are, you are evaluated. Sometimes you don't agree, but, I mean, it's clear. These are your targets, and you're expected to meet these targets. But it's clear from the beginning, so you know what you are working towards, or you know what your boss is expecting from you. And that is what we should be doing as well. Imagine the salesman who has figures from his boss. The boss has told him, maybe by the end, I want you to sell this number of these products and this number of that products. And then at the end of the period, he's come and then they are taking stock, right? And he hasn't sold anything. 
you know, he's not sold anything, but, but he's done a lot of marketing, okay? He's done billboards, he's done adverts on the paper, he's gone to the radio stations, he's really created awareness for his product. Well, it's good, right? Marketing is good, isn't it? It's not bad at all, but that was not <laughs> your target. That was not what you are being measured by. That was not what your boss was expecting from you. And so, he, he, he misses his target, isn't it? Because that's not what was agreed on. Imagine um, a shopkeeper, someone who sells products in a shop. Usually what would happen at an agreed time or maybe sometimes even unannounced, your boss or your manager will come and come and take stock, isn't it? They'll come and take inventory, look at the things in the shop, see how much of it is left. And you know, this, this, this shopkeeper, it was time for his... his um, appraisal to take the stock. And he was so worried. Why, why was he worried? He was worried because he didn't have any stock to display. He looked around, he saw the other shopkeepers, all the things were nicely displayed, you know, all the corned beef on one side, all the tuna on one side, everything, it was full, it was packed. And so he was looking at his shop and he was wondering, ah, I think I'm going to fail my appraisal because I don't have any stock in my shop, right? And then his boss comes and takes stock of, of, of what is going on. But guess what? It's not necessarily the items the boss is looking for. What's the boss looking for? Revenue. So if the stock is not on the shelf, but you've got the money to show that you sold the stock, I mean, you are better <laughs> than the one who has all the stock still lined up and looking very good, and his shop is looking really, really nice. Are you getting the point? So sometimes we miss the point because we are measuring the wrong things. And I think that that's one of the things that um, we need to look out for when we are taking stock, are we taking stock of the right things in the first place? This reminds me of a story, I was in a church before and there was a lady who came to give a testimony and um, she was <laughs> giving a testimony about her son's grades and um, she said, you know, you know the way they give the testimonies, she really hyped the thing and God has done marvelous for her and things that's people couldn't do, God has done, and this and that. I mean, so we were all really excited waiting for the end of this testimony. The testimony was that oh, her son wrote the BEC and he got aggregate 35. That day it was pandemic because everybody burst out laughing. Now what she didn't know was that in the grading it was from one to nine with one being the best and nine being the worst. So the bigger your mark actually <laughs> it means you've actually failed, right? But she thought that because it was a big mark, 35, you know, that the son had done so well. Unfortunately for her, you know, she was looking at the wrong thing and setting, setting the wrong goals. And that can really be detrimental to us because that's not what the master <laughs> is looking for, is it? It reminds me of the story in Matthew... Chapter 25, we all know this story. Matthew 25, uh, let me start from 24. It's about the talents, right? And this version says bags of gold. So the master was going away. He gave five to one of them. He gave two to another, and he gave one to another. So when he came back, it was time for what? Stock taking, isn't it? So the first one comes and says, oh no, you know, you gave me five, I have five more. I says, oh, well done. The other one comes, I have two, I have two more, well done. Now the one with one, he comes up and he says, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, 
I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered, where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So if you're talking about capital preservation, I think he got 100%. No, because his, his, his master gave him one bag of gold. He brought it back intact. But was that the point? His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposits with the bankers so that when I return, he said, I would receive it back. So yes, he wanted his capital back, but with interest. I think he missed the interest part, like, you know? But he missed it. He missed the interest part because <laughs> he was looking at the wrong thing. If your master is traveling and he gives you his expensive watch to keep for him, he'll expect the watch back. So then if you do everything possible to keep the watch intact the way it was, and then you turn it back to him intact. I think you score 100% on your appraisal, won't you? But for the money, he was not looking for capital preservation. Maybe this one was even in gold, so maybe there was no devaluation, I don't know. But the master expected interest, and that is what the servant missed, unfortunately. So what are you measuring? What are you taking stock of? And I must admit, a lot of times when we are taking stock, we take stock of things like, oh, how much money do I have in my investment? How much savings did I make? Was I able to put up that house? Which is not bad. It's not bad at all. These things are good things. But is it what God wants from us? And last week, Pastor Matthew brought to us the place of prayer, isn't it? And that when we pray, our needs or our desires are aligned to God's desires. And I think that is important for us to have a conversation with God and talk to God and say that, you know, God, what's, what do you want for me to do this year? You may be surprised. Maybe for you, God wants you to be just a little bit more patient with your children. Maybe that's the goal he wants for you. Or maybe he wants you to love your spouse more. Or maybe he wants you to submit a bit more. Or maybe he wants you to honor your boss a bit more. Or maybe he wants you to serve your workers a bit more. There's so many things that God may want from you. And that is why it's important that we ask him. You may be thinking, oh, it's too late. No, you remember what we said stock taking was? It's about looking back and then moving forward. So if we missed it in the beginning, it's not too late. We can always do it as the year comes to an end, moving into the next year. Amen. Well, another reason why it's important for us to talk to God when we are setting goals is that sometimes what you think you need is actually not what you need. Because our view is limited and we can't see the way God wants us to see. Proverbs 24 says that a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. Now this is Solomon talking. 
when it comes to physical structures, he had built a lot of buildings. He built the temple, it became a wonder of the world. He built his own palace. And during his time, he built a lot of infrastructure in Israel. You know, there were bridges, roads, and things like that. So he knew a lot about construction. And if you're going to construct, I would have thought that you would take stock of the money that you need to build the house, isn't it? Because you need a lot of money, you need wood. You need uh, metal, you need all kinds of things, cement or whatever it was they were using at the time. But look at him here telling us that wisdom is what builds the house. Knowledge and understanding is what fills its rooms. Of course, the house that he's talking about may also be figurative, so it may mean your life, right? Building your life. And you may think that, you know what, if I could just earn that next income level, if I could just get that and this and that, maybe that's what I need. But actually, maybe what you need is wisdom. Maybe what you need is understanding. Maybe what you need is knowledge. Maybe what you need is money. Whatever it is, what we are saying today is that you need to have a conversation with God about it so that he can, he can direct you and help you. So that verse about wisdom is mirrored in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19, that says that the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. Again, you see what is being used here. And reading through um, one of the commentaries, it said that wisdom initiates life, produces fruits, inaugurates creative, establishes and fills a house. Whether the house is a brick and mortar building, a household, a family, an enterprise, a company, an individual's reputation, or a personal character. Doesn't matter. You need wisdom. Amen. And I'm tempted to even say that, you know, that's why we set the whole thing up about building capacity in the first place. You remember? At the beginning of the year, we talked about building capacity. And the capacity that we are talking about helps us to really download what God is telling us, isn't it? To let us know which direction he wants us to go. So I'm not saying that all the things that we want and all the things that we set goals for are wrong, no. I'm only saying that let's be sure that that is what God wants for us at that time. Amen. The next thing I'd like us to check while taking stock, is our attitude. So I've said, fix your attitude, right? First I said, check your goals, and then fix your attitude. Most of us approach the stock-taking process with the glass is half empty mentality. You know the glass is half empty mentality. So we come to it looking at what we don't have, what we didn't get, instead of looking at what we got. And that, again, is the attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude is the best way in which to approach stock taking. If you do not do that, the whole process of stock taking then becomes a very depressing one. Because at the end of it, you realize how, how far short you are. And how you're falling short of the standards that you yourself you set for yourself. Because you do all these resolutions and set all these high targets, December 31st, and by January 5th, you know, you've already, you're starting from negative because you flouted everything that you said you will do. What I've realized is that an attitude of gratitude makes you look at the same set of facts, the same things, but 
because you are wearing the lenses of attitude, it gives you a different look, it gives you a different perspective, and in the end, a different result. Reminded me of the story in 1 Kings chapter 17. That's the story of the widow when she met Elijah. So 1 Kings 17 from 10. Okay. So he, that's the prophet, so he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gates, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may drink? Now, as she was going to get it, he called, bring me, please, a piece of bread. Now listen to the widow. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says, the jar of flour will never be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Hallelujah. Now I'm looking at these sets of facts from the eyes of the widow. What did she see? She saw starvation. She saw death. This is the last. After this, <laughs> we are going to die because there's nothing left. But imagine the prophet when she said, I have a little flour and a little oil. The prophet, oh, thank God. He saw provision. Same set of facts. You know, if the widow had nothing at all, like complete zero, I think it would have been more difficult for that miracle to take place, don't you think? God would have had to be a magician to conjure something out of nothing. But she had something. It was little, it was, but she had something. And God worked with what she had. And see what, see what happened. This is also, I mean, there's a story like this in 2 Kings 4, 2 to 5, 2. Also the widow who said, I have nothing except a flask of olive oil. And we remember what's happened. You know, they went and prayed and this thing just won't, won't run dry. But she had something. She had something. God works with what we have. He said to Moses, what is in your hand? It didn't, it didn't look like much. It was just you know, a rod. But God used it. Gratitude. Looking at what you have. And knowing that most likely, God is going to give you what you want through what you already have. Because he uses what we have and multiplies it and gives us back many fold. Again, in Matthew chapter 14, let me try and read that as well. In Matthew 14, 16 to 20, Jesus was speaking to a large crowd of people and they were hungry. It was time to eat, there was no food for them to eat. 
And then the um, disciples said, you know what, Let's, let, let them go home. You know, 16, Jesus says, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. 17, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. So to them, starvation, death. But to Jesus, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit on the grass. Now, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, what did he do? He gave thanks, broke the loaves, amen. Giving thanks, gratitude, valuing what you have and knowing that, well, it might be small, but God can use it, amen. And that day they had, what, 12 baskets left over. Hallelujah. God will likely use what you have to give you what you are asking for. You may not have that $5 million in your account yet. If you not build the mansion that you wanted yet. But you have a place to live, isn't it? You have food to eat. Your family is healthy and strong. And these are things that we can be grateful for. Mind you, this is not a call to mediocrity. This is not a call to settle for less. This is not a call to be lazy. But it is a call to be grateful. And if we approach the stock-taking process with this attitude, you come out stronger, you come out encouraged. Instead of it being a depressing you know, exercise for you, you come out with a lot more faith to move on. I like Charles Wesley's uh, hymn, right? One of the lines says that, I'll take the gifts he has bestowed and humbly ask for more, right? And so then, don't despise what you have. Don't think it's too small. You know, God is not a magician. He usually will not conjure. He can, but then he chooses us. He chooses people. He chooses the things that we have all around us, normal, everyday things. And he does his wonders through them, amen. So an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. I think when NK spoke on this subject, he said, "What your, your, your attitude will determine your altitude, right? And if you have a, um, a gratitude, if you have a what heart filled with gratitude, I think that you'd go far compared to a heart that is always looking at what you do not have. And I don't have this, and I don't have that. You're always complaining. And mm, mm, mm. may the Lord help us, Amen. The last thing." that I'd like us to do while we are stock taking is to expect God, amen. Expect God, amen. This is a big one for us as Christians because this is what distinguishes us from the rest of the world. This is what makes us who we are. And so after crunching the numbers and after setting the goals, after having an honest conversation and after having an honest evaluation of what we have and what we are doing and what we hope to do, after being grateful to God for all that he is giving us and looking forward to what he has for us, let's expect God to break in on our plans. Amen. You know, sometimes people get this wrong because... They don't do the first part. They don't do the evaluation. They don't do the measurements. They don't do the setting goals. They don't do anything. And they, they just sit and expect God. I don't think that works. Then you're expecting God to be a magician, to conjure things out of nothing, which he can do, but I don't think he really wants to do that. And you have the other 
side also. They do all the things they have to do, but they never expect God. It's all about them and their plans and their hard work and their projections and you know, their analysis and what is going on in the world. And so they take these things really, really seriously, always on the news, always following the stock market. And, always, and they never expect God to break in. They never expect a tomorrow by this time. They are the ones who you tell them tomorrow by this time, you're like, you are lying. This is never, ever going to happen because if I look at the numbers from 1921 to blah, 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 I mean, it cannot happen. But that's what sets us apart, isn't it? That we expect God to break in on our plans and we expect the God factor. Amen. And as we just heard today, he's never failed us. He's, <laughs> he's not about to start now. He's not about to start now. God may not be a magician, but he sure is a miracle worker. Amen. And the Bible is replete with stories of how God showed up for his people. And sometimes I wonder at God, and like, you know, the way he does it, eh, it's like God is a kind of showboy. It's not only Africa's showboy that we have, but I think God, <laughs> he's, he's a kind of showboy. He would do it in a way that's, you know, so dramatic, and, and everyone gets to know that, you know, this is not man. But this is God. I remember some stories in the Bible, the Israelites going through the Red Sea. Sometimes we read it and it's normal because you've read it over and over again. But just imagine running away from your captors and they are coming after you. I think God could have allowed them to cross the Red Sea and gone even before the Egyptians. The Egyptians will, the Egyptians will just come and see the Red Sea and they will not know where the Israelites have gone. But no, the showboy was about to put up a show. Right? But it came up in a form of a crisis. Now, these Israelites were sitting, were moving, and then they saw these guys on these chariots and horses. Now, they were moving faster than them, gaining in on them. What is going to happen? There's the sea before you, and there's the Egyptian army behind you. But we all know what God did. Opened up this Red Sea, and the people walked on dry land with water as walls on their sides. Hallelujah. And the Egyptians saw this wonder, and they were like, oh my goodness. And they just knew that the God of Israel was with his people. They thought they could replicate it. But unfortunately for them, the horse and the rider were drowned in the sea. Amen. You even look at the David and Goliath story. Right? It was in front of, I mean, <laughs> they were in a hard place, tight corner. What's going to happen? But in the full glare of everyone, God brought Goliath down through David. The four Hebrew boys, I think Pastor Joe talked about those in another platform, but I was just thinking about the whole scenario and how it happened. God could have done anything else. Maybe he could have caused the fire not to even light up or change the king's mind so that they don't even put them in the fire. But no. They went into the fire, live and colored. And he said, what? I see a fourth man. And before everybody, they could see God's glory. Amen. And when they came out, he said, well, not even the smell of smoke was on their clothes. In the New Testament, we read in Luke chapter 5 about the disciples who were fishing. They had worked all night. All night, nothing. Not a single, not a single fish, not even one. 
<laughs> so Luke chapter 5, let me just read. Simon answered, Luke chapter 5 from verse 5 says that Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Read that, we've worked hard. So they were not lazy. They were not just sitting down there waiting for Jesus to show up and give them fish. They had worked hard. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Amen. Look at the show. Others, they all saw it. And this one, you know, when it happens like that, you don't need anything to convince you that this is God. You don't need anyone to come and tell you that this is God. Because look at the, look at the disciples. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his feet and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And what did they do? So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Like, they didn't need, <laughs> they didn't need any more convincing. They didn't need anybody to come and preach. They didn't need anything to come and tell them that this is Jesus. Follow him. So as we work through our plans, as we... As we we, we, we take, you know, do the measurements and put the goals and all that we are doing. The Bible says that we should submit our plans to the Lord and they will succeed. Commit your, as Proverbs 16, we commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Amen. I'm reminded of the story of Lazarus that we just sang about. You keep wondering, why didn't Jesus go when Lazarus was sick? That would have been easier. Sick, put your hand on him and he'll be healed. But no, Lazarus was sick. Lazarus died. Lazarus was in there for days. He was beginning to decay. But Jesus came and said, come out. And Lazarus came out. Amen. So it doesn't matter. Maybe your plants are dead. You think they, they, they can't survive anymore. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. And this is the hope that we have in Christ. That even though we die, we shall live again. Amen. And with all this, I don't expect that we'll do our stock taking with depression anymore. But with hope and with courage and with faith, knowing that our Lord, the master of all, our savior, our redeemer, our friend, is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can ever think of or imagine. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.